When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, let's roll on a... Wednesday edition. It is Wednesday, right, Toby? I'm Wednesday. not sure. Uh, everything's uh, who running. can tell at this point? <laughs> I saw your your Instagram post yesterday at Sooner Voice on Insta, and I was laughing because I feel like it's sometime midweek. I, I'm <laughs> not sure. I remember. I feel like the Daytona 500 was a a number of days ago. So, I think we're in the middle of the week somewhere. There is no reason why we didn't drop an episode yesterday, outside of just the uncertainty of when basketball would happen. And I thought it would oh, be... Oh, are you saying you've got more certainty now? <laughs> <laughs> that is an ex. We, we might just shut the pod down, you know, 45 seconds in. It's not going to get any better than that. Uh, but, you know, from, from COVID challenges and scheduling, T-Row, to now weather challenges, we won't have OU Texas this week. We'll get OU Iowa State on Saturday, a place where, what, Oklahoma hasn't won since 2011. Mm -hmm. But we thought we were going to play last night, thought we were going to play tonight, thought we might play tomorrow night, but it's it's kind of been a mess for everyone to get where they need to be. Texas Tech and TCU has been postponed too. Isn't it bizarre, I was just talking to my wife about this, that, okay, everybody feels pretty confident about being able to go to Iowa and north but it's south it's texas (laughs) where all the travel issues are you know i think to all of the the trips we've made the last 10 years in basketball season to iowa and manhattan and west virginia where you've you're fighting weather and snow and all this kind of stuff but i mean we're talking about lubbock and austin here 
where they're just hammered and can't get out. So it's weird. Everything's turned upside down. And uh, flexibility, the, um, you know, the, the ability to shake off whatever obstacles come your way and postponements and delays and all that kind of stuff is a massive part of this calendar year in, in sports. And we saw it in college football and we're seeing it here in basketball as well. And you're getting ready for one team on one day, then it's another day, then it's another day, then it's another team. Then that game moves and coaching staffs have to be flexible in preparations. Teams have to be flexible. It's got to be incredibly frustrating, you know, to be putting a game plan in place for one team and then boom, you're playing a different team. But um, it is what it is. The inarguable phrase, it is what it is. <laughs> and now, now we'll see if OU can uh, – this is an interesting stretch here. They're going to play back-to-back games, favored, you know, maybe, maybe somewhat significantly favored, on the road, in places where they have had almost zero luck the past 10 years. In uh, Ames, Iowa, and Manhattan, Kansas combined, I have called one victory in my 10 years as the play-by-play voice. And that was Manhattan, Kansas in 2012, our very first trip there. But not Buddy Heald's teams, not Trey Young's team. None of those teams have been able to find victory in in Ames, Iowa, or Manhattan, Kansas. But here they've got them back-to-back, the ninth and 10th place teams in the conference, and we'll see if they can go take care of business. That is... I keep going back to your original thought for the countless trips we've made to Manhattan, Lawrence, Ames. You would think about weather and being like, I hope we're not going to have any problems getting out. Now that issue is going south, but even crazier is when you do go north, Toby, that's where the struggles have been. Uh, I was was with you. I, I somehow got lucky to engineer whenever Trey Young in his only trip to Manhattan, which was... What the octagon of doom is what they call there. It was crazy. You and I have been to Ames countless times, and the the wild thing about it is they're always really. I mean, the the Ames games are usually great games, and you come away thinking, "Oh, we just had that." But these are these are going to be unique. And, and you had brought this up: the number nine ranking that hasn't necessarily been a good thing, and not just for <laughs> Oklahoma. That's that's been across the board where number nine in college basketball yep. hasn't necessarily been something where it plays out well. It's funny how many times OU has had the number nine attached to one of its games this year. They beat <laughs> Kansas when uh, – no, no, no. They beat West Virginia when West Virginia was ranked number nine in Norman. They beat Kansas when Kansas was ranked number nine in Norman. They beat Alabama when Alabama was ranked number nine. But then OU became ranked number nine <laughs> and lost to Texas Tech. And now here they are ranked number nine again as they go play Iowa State. So, you know, I don't know if you – that's an ominous sign because so far in the games involving the ninth-ranked team in the AP poll, that team has lost all four games this year. Now, fortunately, we've been the other team three of the four times, but they're going to have to shake that trend if they're going to go beat uh, Iowa State. But, I mean, that's a lot. Haven't won in Ames. They're the jinxed number nine-ranked team. Surely – they're going to be able to break through all of that and find some good karma, 
go get them a win Saturday night. I certainly hope so. Hey, real quick, before we dive into a little bit more of, of OU Hoops talk, last night in my, my infinite phone scrolling, I found myself watching Xavier and St. John's. And it blew my mind how different that Xavier team looked from the team that we played earlier this year. And then I'm listening to the analysts and like, oh, the St. John's team is, they're on the bubble. And I'm looking at the record and like, how is a team with this record on the bubble? But then I realized, T-Row, this has got to be as challenging of a season to create this field of 68 because it's just, I mean, there might be a team that hasn't, Baylor's not going to have as many games as say Oklahoma plays. And then in that, you know, do you take a team? And I'm just going to use St. John's because I watched him last night that has been playing well recently. I mean, this has got to be as as challenging of a year to try to put this field together and do it the right way. And let's add to it, when you saw those top 16 seeds, there wasn't a Kentucky or a Kansas or a Michigan State or a Duke that was in there. So it's all teams in a lot of ways that we're not overly familiar with. Now, you bring up great points. Uh, I, I think that's the story of this year is – the blue bloods, the powerhouses that that are the staples of college basketball are nowhere to be found. Yep. Um, you know, Duke and Kentucky are missing the NCAA tournament as of right now. North Carolina and Kansas are probably in. Kansas definitely in. North Carolina maybe right now. But none of them, you know, a top four seed uh, as of now. Now, that doesn't mean... North Carolina or Kansas doesn't get in this thing and get hot and make a run. That could certainly happen, and and you almost expect it out of them. But Michigan State, I mean, there's another team that has just become synonymous with success in the NCAA tournament under Tom Izzo. Down year for them. So it's wide open. You, you look at the top ten, and it is an interesting collection of kind of football powerhouses and private <laughs> institutions and and things like that this year. And two overwhelming favorites. In a year like this, we have two overwhelming favorites in Gonzaga and Baylor going into the tournament. And and you, the, your point about the selection committee is a great one as well. We talked about this a lot during football season. You know, how, How's the committee going to weigh one team having played six games and another 11? Well, you've got... A similar situation in basketball, maybe not as drastic, but similar. And I think you'll probably see the Lenardis and Palms of the world being more off this year than usual, just because there are more variables this year than usual. What a a member of the selection committee will weigh heavily might be different than it is in a, in a normal year. Uh, different numbers of games played, conferences that that play their conference schedules differently than normal or don't have a conference tournament this year when they normally do. Um, Teams that did not get to play many road games or whatever the case may be. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating bracket whenever it is revealed. The good news is, if you're an Oklahoma fan, um. We're not right now, anyway, experiencing the February drama, the bubble drama, anyway. The you're watching these selection, or you're watching these bracketology reveals twice a week, <laughs> uh, wondering how high of a seat are they now, rather than are they in or are they out, which is great. So, I mean, they've they've worked their way into a position here to 
if they can finish strong, really have a good seed and and maybe have a, a good path to make a run in Indianapolis. All right, T-Row, speaking of making a nice run in Indianapolis, this is the first time we've been able to talk on the Sooner Sports Podcast since Oklahoma's win over West Virginia. Man, what a what a performance. Great call on your part on that final call. I mean, watching that ball just kind of bounce around, you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? And then Kirk Queth with the big block. I mean, this that was a special win. I don't want to get too carried away. I know there's a, there's a little ways to go before we get to March, and we'll see about the Big 12 tournament. But, I mean, it, going into to Morgantown, even though the crowd is different than what it once was, that's a tough trip. That's a tough place to play, and that's a good basketball team. Two Hall of Fame coaches, what a game. It really was a great game to, to go double overtime. You know, there, there are some close games or even some overtime games sometimes where you'd say neither team wants to win it. You know, they, it's ugly. It, it's tied, but it's not it tied because people are making shots. It's tied because neither team is grasping the victory. That wasn't the case. This was a great basketball game down the stretch. Big time playmakers on each side were making plays. McBride, McNeil, and Culver for West Virginia. Austin Reeves, Davion Harmon, Amoja Gibson. They just kept hitting shots. Elijah Harkless making plays. So it was a. And then you mentioned the two masterminds on the two benches that kept trying to figure out a way to get the advantage, the <laughs> matchups that they liked. It was a Picasso of a basketball game. It really was. And, you know, I, I, two things about the ending. I thought, okay, oh, you deserved that one. It was very similar to the Texas Tech game in Norman where Austin Reeves found himself with the ball in his hands in a putback attempt at the buzzer that could have sent it to overtime and missed it. And so that one got away. They kind of deserved one where – the other team had the ball in their hands and missed it at the end of the game. But I, it does just feel like this is a special team having a special season, you know? And sometimes that happens. Sometimes a team gets momentum and things just kind of start going their way. Big calls at big moments, big shots at big moments. Um, you know, I, and, and maybe this team is is working on one of those years. And I, I'm not saying they win the national championship. But I'm saying they're going to kind of be in the conversation, you know. They're they're going to be one of those teams that when the brackets come out, if they get a good draw, there will be some some analysts out there who will pencil Oklahoma into the Final Four because of their guards, because of their defense, because of their veteran leadership. Those are all things you like in March, so – I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. There's a ways to go, but I mean they're they're playing some great ball and they feel right now like they could be working on something special. It's fun and, and Austin Reeves making the adjustment to to play point uh, again. I I feel like he's a guy that and I talked to him a couple of weeks ago here on the pod. He's always seen himself as a complete player, Toby. There were um, there were a lot of people that thought that you know he was just going to be a spot up that three-point assassin but he's become a complete player and my gosh he looks smooth running this offense yeah he looks great um he he wants to take the big shot in the big moments which you love having one of those guys on your team not that he's always going to make it but he wants it he wants 
uh, the clutch. He wants that responsibility on his shoulders, yep. and he he drilled it in double overtime there that ended up being the game-winning basket. I, I think uh, Kevin Henry mentioned this on our broadcast Saturday. Maybe the most impressive thing he did, there was a couple of times where you saw Austin trying to lift the spirits of Brady Manick after a missed shot. Uh, he was kind of leading the troops in the huddle before Lon Kruger stepped in to draw up a play. It's good to see. He's gone. He's become a real vocal leader for this team, not just a playmaker, not just a scorer, uh, but a vocal leader. And, uh, I mean, that's valuable, you know? I mean, it's a veteran. When your best player is also a vocal leader, that could be extremely valuable. So he's uh, one of those guys. We're talking about special seasons. you got to have, uh, in those special seasons, guys that are having a career year, and he's obviously doing that. He is a lock right now for a first-team All-Big 12 selection. It's been so fun to watch. I'm so happy for him. Hey, before we get to, I, I guess I haven't promoted this yet, N- Nicole Mendez is coming up, and then when you and I wrap up, we're going to go more in-depth on baseball because we're going to hear from Justin Mitchell. Diamond nice. Sports are slated to get underway this weekend. Uh, I, I, How excited are you? Because this appears to be a pretty special squad. Well, we saw what, what – Coach Gasso has put together. But this seems to be a really special squad that Coach Johnson, the Skips, put together too. Can't wait. Uh, I'm very excited about this um, the series they've thrown together this weekend down in Round Rock. They, you know, they were supposed to open at home against Southern, but Mother Nature, as everyone out there is well aware, has not cooperated this week. So they have moved the opening series down to Round Rock, Texas, where it's going to be a little warmer this weekend uh not a lot but a little <laughs> bit but they're supposed to play wichita state down there now for three they're going to play a double header on saturday and a single game on sunday if they can pull it off and that's that's great you know there's a traditional power wichita state hasn't been themselves the last several years but still a big name in the college baseball world that will look good on the resume if you can get a couple of wins down there so it's a good opening test. I'm very excited. I'm excited to see, you know, who at least to start the season, skip pencils into that starting rotation. Um, I think that'll start to take shape. Uh, he's got so many options in the field. He can basically platoon at every position, right-handed or left-handed, if he wants to. Not that he will, but. He's got the ability at pretty much every position on the field to match up, which also gives you all kinds of flexibility for late game pinch hitter situations. I think they've got as much power at the plate as they've had in many, many years, uh, potentially, uh, especially, you know, the, the middle of that lineup has a lot of bop to it. So I'm excited. They are. Uh, I think they were picked fifth in the Big 12 preseason poll, and I understand that. Uh, they they lost their entire starting rotation to the Major League Draft, so I get it. But I think they've got a chance to use that as kind of a chip-on-the-shoulder thing and, and maybe be better than people realize. I, I don't hate them being overlooked a little bit going into this season. And Justin Mitchell is a fantastic young man. Um, 
if you spend it, one of the things I hate about this year is that we are not going to get to be around the team as much as we usually are in the dugouts and clubhouses and traveling with them and eating with them and all that kind of stuff that we normally get to do. And one of the young men who I've gotten to know and watch from close range the last couple of years is Justin Mitchell. And he is, everybody loves him. Everybody. He's, he's a team favorite. He's hilarious. He is always talking and always trying to lift up his teammates and just a quintessential um, college athlete. I mean, exactly what you would want in a college athlete. And I saw he got some preseason praise as one of the top catchers in the nation going into this year. But there's another position, though, where they can platoon because they've got Jimmy Crooks coming in from McLennan Junior College, a lefty bat who's very good as well. He's a stud. So I think you're going to see Mitchell and Crooks both be able to split time and not get worn out and be very good behind the plate combined. So I'm glad that you're going to talk to him. I'm looking forward to hearing that interview. I I guess what you're saying is this is going to be a fun year in Diamond Sports across the board, Tiro. I think that's that's what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, the jury is still out on the softball team. We don't know if they're any good yet. <laughs> I love that tweet. Did you see it made their little uh, uh, graphic that they put together on Twitter? That was fantastic. Uh, let's well, let's withhold judgment here. I know they yeah. hit 23 home runs this weekend, but <laughs> no, uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Toby, have a great Wednesday. Uh, stay warm and look forward to hearing you call the Iowa State game on Saturday. All right. Thanks. Good talking to you, Chris. Everybody stay safe and warm out there. All right. See you, bud. It's almost like my heart is warmed a bit. And uh, Toby and I, we do a show on the same radio station, and we have this crossover every day, but it's usually it's something that's got to fit into like a, a five- or ten-minute segment. So this was really fun to just sit here and be able to catch up. Hope you guys enjoyed it. All right. Let's get going. I mentioned Justin Mitchell. He was a part of our Spotlight show on Tuesday. That'd be yesterday. And Jessica Cootie sat down with the Sooner catcher to kind of lay out just the excitement of getting back to baseball this weekend. Uh, I think we're just ready to get out there and have fun playing against someone else other than ourselves because inner squads and practice is fun and all, but after a while you get bored facing the same pitchers, and I'm sure the pitchers get bored facing the same hitters every day. What has the process been like for you guys as a team after, you know, the season got cut short? I know that was devastating because you guys had such high expectations a year ago. Then you don't know the uncertainty of everything and then going through a long preseason and and fall ball. What's it all been like for you guys as a team? Uh, It's been difficult this year because it's not like past years where everyone can hang out whenever we want or hang out in the locker room or just go up and hit extra. You have to sign up with everything and there's restrictions on the amount of time you can be in the locker room. And there's not much really like team bonding or hanging out as much as it has been in the past. For you going into this season as Redshirt junior as a leader for this team, what kind of goals and expectations do you have for yourself? Uh, just the same goals as every year. I, th- I think Nothing should change just because this year is different, but obviously I want to control the pitching staff as a catcher. I want to keep them in control, especially having some younger guys come in and transfers come in. I want to take that responsibility to control them and just help them be successful on the mound. 
Yeah, speaking of that, you were the guy that got to catch the perfect game by Dane Acker. There's no Kate Cavalli selected in the first round by the Washington Nationals, no Levi Prater. What does this pitching staff look like this season? Um, it's at, I mean, Skip's great with pitchers. He rolls in guys left and right, and it's I'm not I'm not worried about the pitching staff because I know they're gonna get their job done, but we're gonna have to have some younger guys step up this year and fill in those roles of some of the guys we missed, like Cavalli, Zach Matthews, and Levi or Dane Acker. Who are some of the guys that Sooner fans can be excited to see on the mound this year? Um, White Olds, which he's a returner, so that's nothing new. And then Dalton Fowler is a JUCO transfer who's – he's going to be electric on the mound, and he's, he's going to be a guy you don't want to miss. Awesome. That's good stuff. You talked about working with Skip Johnson, no doubt one of the best pitching coaches in the country. As a catcher that gets to see it day in and day out and how he develops these pitchers, what is the uh, recipe to success when it comes to Skip Johnson? Why is he so good at what he does? Uh, he's just really understandable, and he can work with anyone. And you're gonna, you're either going to respect him. If you don't already, he's going to make you learn how to respect him and you're going to want to work for him. Like that respect that you build for him makes you want to come every day and work for him. And it's awesome to see guys, especially younger guys, work with him and just build their confidence on the mound physically and mentally. It's, it's awesome to see. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? When it comes to Skip Johnson. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> well, you're a guy that's worked a lot with uh, Brandon Zaragoza, um, Connor McKenna also back how good is the middle infield for you guys? Oh, it's awesome. Especially everyone coming back. I mean, we've all been best friends since the day we stepped on campus. And just having those guys around is like with a leadership role and that just upperclassmen mentality to teach the younger kids that come in and just keep building the culture that we have here is awesome. Can you make a case for Brandon Zaragoza as one of the best shortstops in college baseball? Oh, easily. Easily. Why There's is no that? doubt about it. I mean, the guy just puts in work, extra work, whatever it is. If if he has an opportunity to go put in extra work, he's going to do it, and it shows on the field. You mentioned some of the pitchers we can maybe look out for. What about some of the new faces um, at the plate that maybe uh, you're expecting to ca carry on and, and take a bigger role in the lineup? Yeah, Jimmy Crooks, he's a JUCO transfer. Uh, Brett Squires, uh, Braden Daniel. Um, I think uh, Jace Borfin are really guys that are going to be really good, if not this year, in the future. They're going to be someone to watch. That's awesome. We talked about, you know, last year, just such a disappointment because you guys felt like you had a pretty loaded team that had a shot at maybe getting to Omaha. What are those expectations? How do they compare this year? Uh, do you feel like you got just as much talent, even though despite the draft with the pitching staff? Yeah, nothing changes year to year. I mean, one guy, two guys don't make or break a team. It's everyone that comes together. And we have the same mindset as we did last year. And we think we're just as good as last year. So nothing really changes in the way we prepare or how we work. You guys were supposed to open up at home this weekend, but snow kind of uh, deterred that a little bit, but still set to open up with Wichita State in Round Rock. Mm -hmm. in Round Rock. How big of an opportunity is that? I mean, Wichita State historically has been a, team that people know around college baseball to be able to kind of set the tone and with a big opening series against a team like Wichita State 
yeah, I mean, it just gives us an opportunity to show how good we are this year. I mean, win or lose, it doesn't really matter because just making the play postseason and then winning the last game of the season is our really only goal right now. And I'm just happy we're playing. I know all my teammates are happy we're playing too, so. What is the goal for the weekend? What what would you guys like to accomplish? Obviously, other than winning, what are some of the things that you need to see from this team, like you said, playing someone other than yourself? Yeah, just let guys build confidence in an actual game rather than practice is probably the big thing right now. I mean, like you said, we haven't played in a year or so, maybe a little under a year. So just building that confidence, playing against other teams on the field is probably going to be the biggest thing this weekend. OU, as we sit here and as we drop this, it is a, this is a very local radio thing. But as I sit here to drop this podcast, it is 1128 on a Wednesday morning. I give that time check. Just to let you know, because as of this moment, OU baseball is slated to open on Saturday with a doubleheader against Wichita State. That'll be at noon and 2.30 on Saturday. And then on Sunday at 1 o'clock against the Shockers down in Round Rock at Dell Diamond. All right, real quick, before we shift from baseball to softball, quick word from our sponsors. It's a calling that's kept us free. It's a place to belong. What's the calling? It's doing a job that makes a difference. Serving your community and your country. It's part-time service where the impact is full-time. What's your calling? Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com All right, I had a chance to travel with the OU softball team to El Paso over the weekend. Holy smokes, were their bats on fire and so today I thought, let's catch up with Nicole Mendez and welcome in the super senior to the Sooner Sports Podcast. She is, I guess, what, what's a super senior? Nicole Mendez, member of the Oklahoma Sooner softball team and, of course, a part of Team Mexico as we prepare for the Olympic Games. Good morning, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Everything everything good at the home front? No frozen pipes? You're able to get out of the driveway and everything okay? <laughs> Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good. Um, everything's pretty good. Power is still on, heat's still on, and water's still on. So I'm just over here, pretty happy camper over here. It's trifecta. Everything good with the family, too, because we're supposed to be heading down to Houston this weekend, but uh, it's not often that we get weather like this in the Houston area. So everything good with mom and dad? Yeah, we never get weather <laughs> like that in Houston. Um, the power's kind of been rolling in and out, but... All of my family lives in Houston, so we've been taking care of each other. So that's been really comforting to know, especially since I'm up here and they're down there. So it's good to know they're taken care of. So, Nicole, let's let's just real quick, before we talk about last week, let's talk about how exciting this week is because we went to Houston during your freshman season, but you were a little dinged up. And if I remember correctly, you didn't even get to play at all that weekend, right? I think you were still in a walking boot. Now you get a chance to go back home this week, and I understand that attendance isn't what it once was, but how nice is it to be able – I'm sure it's nice for mom and dad to have a shorter trip, but how nice is it for you to be able to go back home and play this weekend? Oh, the thought of being able to go back home to Houston and play with my team and in front of my city, in front of my family, it means more to me than words will say, and it just kind of feels perfect, like a good full circle – um, I started there, and I'm going to finish there uh, in my hometown a little bit. So that's really, really awesome and something I'm looking forward to. That's awesome. Am I, I'm, I'm right, right? You were a little dinged up during your freshman season. Did you get to play in that trip or not? I was. No, yeah. I was hurt 
um, during that tournament. So I played a little bit, but not a lot. My foot was pretty messed up. Uh, <laughs> foul ball to the ankle will do that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, your your story is one that's inspiring and is about overcoming adversity. And we're not even close to writing the final chapter left. So take me through the challenges whenever things were shut down last year and kind of how you were able to maintain a positive outlook because in my mind nicole mendez was just starting to come around after overcoming a pretty challenging surgery uh and then boom the season shut down yeah um to me it was i have to be positive (laughs) otherwise i'm gonna be pretty upset i mean i rehabbed for about five months and I finally am starting to come back and then that week it's like canceled and I definitely had a week or so where I just laid in my bed and was like all right what now what do I do for another year am I even going to get to come back and play Um, how is this all going to play out but I really had to trust in God and just know like his plan his timing is ultimate and whatever he does is going to be best for me and obviously it worked out amazing because here I am on this team who is incredible um and I'm having so much fun you know that's the thing that it kind of stinks for me Um, I'm being very greedy and selfish right here Nicole because (laughs) I, I I love the bus rides I love the music on the bus I love the dancing I love the not like I was I love the team dinners pre and post game and those things are are gone now i don't know you guys have to wear the the face shields and the masks on the Mm -hmm. bus but what has that challenge been like to not only play but prepare during a pandemic um i feel like practice and stuff hasn't been too crazy just because it's outside we're not having to worry about um isolating just because we're so far apart on the field um but during this first trip last weekend it was a little bit um, of a challenge just being able to see everybody um, and interact like we used to and like we wanted to. Um, but ultimately, in the back of our heads, we know, like, if we want to play, this is what we're going to have to do. If we want to have a season, this is what we're going to have to do. And while it is a little bit of a disappointment not to be able to run over to a teammate's room or all of us be hanging out, hopping around, seat to seat on the bus, um, it's worth it to be able to come out on opening weekend and play together as a team. So, um, I just wrote one final thought on the off season for you, because you found out, I, I want to say we found out relatively quickly that everyone would get an extra year. But then in that same vein, you also have the preparation for the Olympic games, which it looks really good towards these happening in Japan here sooner rather than later. What did your workout schedule look like? Was it things that Team Mexico? Was it things that uh, Dane and OU? How how were you able to mesh those two different preparations, or were they pretty much the same? Um, so for me, the ultimate goal was to become the best player that I can be, not just for OU and not just for Mexico, just kind of like a personal pride kind of thing. I knew I could be better. Um, and honestly, my rehab wasn't finished whenever um, – our season got canceled, and whenever I found out, I just kind of was like, okay, like, what now kind of thing. Um, so during the summer, I actually 
went to a rehab facility back in Houston um, just because everything was shut down, like campus-wise and things like that. Um, so I went to a rehab facility in Houston, and they really worked well with me. Uh, they kind of figured out what OU wanted, what Mexico wanted, what I wanted, and uh, they were really awesome at helping me stay on track um, and becoming the athlete that I want to be. You know, we, we've talked to Coach a little bit about this, but um, do, do you hear from Team Mexico representatives? Because it sounds like they kind of say, hey, you got Patty Gasso as your coach. We feel good about how well prepared you're going to be for the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they definitely know that Coach is an amazing, <laughs> obviously she's the GOAT, um, but they check in every once in a while just to kind of see how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Um, I have to submit swings every week, not as much as um, I would otherwise just because I am getting in practice, but I do need to do some extra work on my own just for them. Um, but, I mean, it's all in preparation for the Olympics. It's all in preparation for my Mexico teammates, uh, my sisters over there. So it's definitely something that I'm expecting and that they're just kind of making sure that I'm staying on pace to be ready cool. whenever the Olympics come around. Nicole Mendez is our guest. All right, let's shift back to this team. I mean, obviously, when you hit 24 home runs in an opening weekend and you set an NCAA <laughs> record with 13, expectations are going to go sky high. But that's that's why you come here, right, Nicole? You guys welcome those kind of expectations. And, listen, I don't think anyone went in and said, we're going to hit 13 home runs in a game five in the first inning. But this was a team that was ready to play someone other than each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um it was funny when I was first getting recruited, um, I said I wanted to go to a school that was an underdog school. <laughs> and then I met <laughs> Coach Gasso. <laughs> and she completely changed my mind about it because the way she talked about this program, past and present, um, it inspired me. The competitor in me said, this is where I want to go because this is going to be a team that's going to compete for a national championship. They have a hardworking mindset. And that is as true today as it was like, Oh man, like eight years ago. <laughs> um, so whenever we finally get out onto the field and we get to play someone other than ourselves, that mindset's still there. It's to compete, to win, um, to do, to be the best that we can in each at bat, each play, each pitch. And that doesn't matter who we're facing, when we're facing them, how many games we have in a day. So that was just so satisfying to finally be able to, play against someone other than ourselves that it just kind of came all all at once can you okay this is probably not going to be a very well asked question but i can't think of any other way to put it (laughs) how hard is it to be as competitive as everyone is and to be battling for playing time and spots and everyone wants to play and then in that same vein in the midst of those competitions nicole still be teammates and love each other and root for each other because I mean, you know, if one player suddenly goes out and hits five home runs or whatever it might be, that might be your spot. I mean, I guess more than anything, what I'm saying is asking is how selfless is this team? Yeah, and I think normally that's a hard thing to achieve, especially with girls. (laughs) Um, We have 23 (laughs) girls on the team, and um, only nine get to play the field, you know, and that can be challenging, but I think culture has – the biggest thing to do with it and kind of as I alluded to in the previous question Uh coach Gasso builds a culture that lasts beyond one year beyond one team 
And the culture that we have on this team is entirely for others and not for self. Uh, There's so many good girls on this team who are just extremely talented. And whenever you have that kind of competition, like in your spot, in that lineup, hitting anywhere it is, it makes you better. And if you have the right kind of mindset, which is why coach recruits you because you have that mindset, then you're you're ready for it. You say, let's go right on whenever you see something, someone do something good, and then it inspires you to be a little bit better, and it inspires them to be a little bit better, and you're happy for your teammates. So I, I would just say it's a culture, and it's a mindset uh, that's been cultivated not since the fall, but since Coach got here. That's a great answer. All right, Nicole, two more quick ones, and I'll let you get out of here. Uh, first all right. of all, uh, first of all, can you kind of just take us through what you've seen from some of the youngsters uh, you mentioned you always wanted to come to an underdog school. Uh, not a lot of people have that mindset, right? Every one of every yeah. one of these players are highly recruited, but in Tiara, in Jada, and what we saw from Nicole May, and there's still some youngsters that we'll see. Kind of what's caught dry with some of these freshmen coming in? They're gamers. Um, they see something happen, and they're like, "I want to be like that. I, I want to be the best that I can be." And they're open to learning. They're open to becoming better versions of themselves. And it's been so cool to see them come in as freshmen and just completely rock it. They are so confident in their ability, but they're also confident in their teammates. And I think that's what makes them so special is they're not trying to press or do anything too much. They know that we have their back. And so as freshmen, that's one of the hardest lessons to learn. So for them to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to trust my teammates and I'm just going to let my game play out itself. uh, (laughs) Well, you guys have seen the results for that. So that's been really cool. And then finally, for you, um, what ha- how my favorite memory, and I'm not just saying this because you're on here, one of my favorite <laughs> memories in calling Sooner softball was the Bedlam game in the World Series. When you're out there and you're just getting the crowd fired up and you're so into <laughs> it, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But with that in mind, you've been a part of so many amazing moments. Do you allow yourself to get retrospective at all? I mean, is it is it hard not to think about kind of the final ride and this being your senior season, or are you pigeonholed focus on just, you know, taking care of business day to day? Honestly, Chris, I'm just trying to enjoy every moment, every practice. I mean, who knows? Maybe a blizzard might pop up and we won't get to practice for a couple of days. Right. Um, so for me, the biggest thing I learned after getting hurt was, you never know when it's going to get taken away from you. And kind of during that year when we played OSU in the World Series, um, my kind of theme was just like leave it all out on the field. And I've really tried to carry that over into this year, even though it is my last year and it is bittersweet. um, It's just so much more worth it whenever I'm just focused in on enjoying the moment and just going all out rather than saying, oh, man, this is the last thing. I mean, it'll hit me every once in a while, but just being able to enjoy the time that I'm in right now um, instead of thinking about everything behind me or everything that will come to an end, um, I just have found it to be so much more worthwhile. And um, I know I'm going to be thankful in the end if I just enjoy this time now uh, rather than, looking back and saying, oh, man, this is going to be lasting. So, yeah. 
Sorry I brought it up. I don't want you to think that way. I want you to be excited. <laughs> I want you to be excited. No, I'm excited I am. for this weekend. I'm so excited. Good. I'm so excited. This team has been so much fun to play with and practice with. And I'm so excited for everyone else to see the team that I know um, and get to fall in love with them like I did. So I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm pumped. Great way to end it. All right, Nicole, uh, stay safe, stay warm. I appreciate you. Can't wait to see the family this weekend. Uh, have safe travels, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks, Chris. Bye. We'll see you. That's Nicole Mendez. Okay, uh, again, a, a time check update. It's it's like 1140 now, but Oklahoma softball still slated to play this weekend down in Huntsville and Houston. Stay tuned to the OU Softball Twitter feed at OU underscore softball, and we'll have you covered at OU on the air with updates on if that schedule shifts at all. Until then, guys uh, and gals, thank you so much for listening. If you would, please leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast page if that's how you subscribe to podcasts. I see the numbers. I see a majority of you are consuming this podcast through Apple. Please leave a five-star review and comment on topics you want us to get into, guests you want to have, Love to get your feedback. If you don't want to do it on the Apple uh, podcast page, you can hit me up on Twitter uh, at OU on the air or on email, plankshow at gmail.com. Thanks to Toby. Thanks to Justin Mitchell. Thanks to Nicole Mendez. Everyone have a great Wednesday. Stay warm. Stay safe. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.